because I was seeing that so many parents were being led in the wrong direction in terms of how to introduce food. I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. Have you ever been curious about aromatherapy and did a simple internet search, landed on a result and thought, that can't be right? The sad truth is most of the information out there about aromatherapy is not correct. It's my mission to change that. Join me in my new course, The Science of Aromatherapy, and learn about the science and chemistry of essential oils, drug interactions, safety considerations, contraindications, and botanical profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science course to enroll. My guest today is Dr. Melina Roberts, a naturopathic doctor, author of Building a Healthy Child, and clinic director of Advanced Naturopathic Medical Center in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. She is recognized as one of the top biological medicine practitioners in North America and is a lecturer for the Paracelsus Academy. She is a leading authority in the field of naturopathic medicine, specializing in biological medicine, effectively treating digestive issues, chronic disease, and cancer. Dr. Roberts is a graduate of the University of Waterloo and the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. She did a two-year postgraduate study in biological medicine with Paracelsus Clinic in Switzerland. So in this episode, I spoke to Dr. Roberts about building a healthy child and some of the discoveries she made in her research with cancer treatment that became the foundation of her food introduction plan. And so she talks to us about the importance of building good gut health in our children and how we can do that through foods we eat. And I really wish that I had spoken to Dr. Roberts when I was raising my kids as this is some really great foundational information for parents. And so I'm very excited for you to hear our conversation today. So allow me to introduce you to Dr. Melina Roberts. Hi, Melina. Welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. So tell us about yourself, where you're from, and why or maybe how did you become focused on natural health and specifically children's health? So it really goes back to my childhood. I was one of those kids who had really bad allergies and eczema. And really, I just thought that that's just how it was going to be. And I was just going to have to learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. And when I was about 13 years old, a family friend said to my parents, you know, you should try taking there to see a naturopathic doctor. And they brought me to see a naturopathic doctor. We really had no idea what to expect or if they were going to be able to help me, but we were open-minded about it. Mm -hmm. And we went in and within a really short period of time of seeing this doctor and following his plan, all of my allergies and my eczema all cleared up. And to me, it was like magic. (laughs) I didn't really understand how it all worked. Um, But that was my first clue to understanding that the body had the ability to heal itself. Mm. And it was also one of the reasons why I wanted to become a doctor myself, because I wanted to help people like myself so they didn't have to suffer so many years unnecessarily. Uh, so that was sort of my first introduction to, to why to kind of brought me into um, naturopathic medicine and actually seeing that world was that personal experience. Mm. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a longer story of how, how I got in, but I, I'll, I'll go into it a bit yeah, more. Yeah. Um, and so then when I was at the naturopathic college in my second year in school, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm. And um, it was pretty devastating news to me Mm because my dad was my world. And I started just researching into natural therapies to treat cancer. And I was coming across a 
ton of great information, but unfortunately I, I just, I didn't have enough time and my dad passed away uh, nine, nine short months later oh. and which was super tough on me. Mm -hmm. um, but I continued my journey of, of researching cancer care. And as I researched cancer care, what I was starting to learn was that everything was rooted in the gut. Mm -hmm. And that as we healed the gut, that we were able to get people back onto a healing path. And then fast forward a few years, um, I was pregnant with my daughter. And I thought, you know, like as a mother, I wanted, how can I prevent her from having the same sort of childhood illnesses that I had in terms of the allergies and eczema? And then also, was there a way for me to also prevent her from having um, some of my, you know, the, the cancer and heart disease mm -hmm. that are, are in my family history. And, and what I realized again was that it came back to treating the gut and that if we could build that gut health right from the beginning, then we'd be able to prevent a lot of this childhood illnesses, as well as be able to set a great foundation for a child's health in the future. So that's sort of my, my long story of how I, I came about to writing this book. Mm, yeah. And that book that you've written is called Building Healthy Children. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But thank you so much for sharing about that because allergies are such can be such a debilitating, and of course, chronic illness, chronic disease can be such a debilitating part of life. And yet we don't seem to really connect that there's something we can do about it. And so, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's hard to live with it. If you have someone, or if you personally had the, that kind of perpetual existence of like a, an allergy, it's very difficult to live with. And so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. So you talk about preventing allergies and the childhood illness, yeah. starting with babies and starting off right with your babies. So as you said, yeah. it talks about your book talks about the importance of gut health. So why is it the most important piece of children's health? And how is that connected to illness and chronic illness as, a, as an adult? So how do we get there from that? Well, I just, so when I was just researching to figure out if it was possible to be able to prevent a lot of these problems in my child, I came across a lot of interesting information. So one of the main ones is about the microbiome. So the microbiome is that ecosystem of bacteria and fungus that live within our gut. And the foundation of that microbiome is actually developed between birth and age three. We have this small window of opportunity in order to build a child's health correctly from the beginning. So and that microbiome is what plays a role in terms of proper digestion. It plays a role in terms of how our immune system functions. There's a huge connection between how the brain develops and how that microbiome mm -hmm. is uh, developed. Feeding that properly is central to how our child develops and in terms of their overall health. Okay, so, that, so that's the foundation. Yeah. Okay, and so if that is... So you're saying if that is off, then that is what leads to illness. And even as it, like, as we progress into adults, 
adulthood? Yeah, exactly. So if that's out of balance, so that microbiome, it needs to be um, in a nice balance. And it also needs to have a lot of diversity in terms of those microbes. So that's what develops and builds a healthy microbiome. And that's very protective against allergies, that eczema picture, Mm -hmm. as well as chronic disease in their future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it interacts with so many parts of the system, right? Like, like you're saying, yeah. it connects with the brain as well. Okay, so yeah. how do we how do we do this in children, babies? How do we? You said it's from birth to age three. So how do we develop that? I mean, I don't I don't know that the most modern or no, most <laughs> parents know what to do about that, right? Besides, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And I'll go through the ideal world, right? So sure, yeah. in an ideal world, <laughs> yeah, because I know I know there's a lot of exceptions and yes, but I think that in an ideal world, how are how we're first getting that first introduction to that gut flora is by vaginal deliveries. Okay. So the best option is for us to have a vaginal delivery. They've shown in studies that there's a different microbiome, a baby's different microbiome to one that's delivered vaginally to one that has been delivered through Mm C-section. Now there is ways that if you are, your baby is born through C-section that you could do some reseeding where you, you know, basically take a Q-tip of mom's vaginal bacteria and then put that into baby's mouth. And so that just helps to refluorinate and give and inoculate baby Mm -hmm. with some good um, healthy gut flora. So, and then the next thing you want to be doing is you want to ideally breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is another way that we are increasing and diversifying that gut flora. So we get that from mother's milk. So that's again, in an ideal world, Mm -hmm. breastfeeding is going to be a better, best option. And then the next way that we continue to get that and build up that microflora is um, through the environment. So this is um, the environment is meaning that we need to be getting into the mud and getting dirty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So letting our kids explore that way. And then the other part is from the foods that we introduce. And that's what I go through in the book is how to introduce foods to build their gut flora properly right from the beginning. Okay. So there's really just a few few key pieces to that. So then we, most of us start introducing babies to foods with fortified cereals, which to me is like, really seems like a 1950s kind of practice. Like we did, the, you know, like back in the day, it was like, yeah. here, here's your fortified. So you, this is not something that you recommend. So what is, why is that? Yeah, so this is a, a huge problematic introduction, I believe. And I, and it frustrates me to see that this is something that's still being introduced to parents. I agree that it's, it's an old philosophy Mm -hmm. and, and it actually has no nutritional merit. So, and that's what made me really write the book is because I was seeing that so many parents were being led in the wrong direction in terms of how to introduce foods. Now, the other piece of information that I came across was that our organs uh, mature at different rates. Mm -hmm. So um, our organs first start to develop in utero, and then they reach full maturation at different rates outside of the body. So we need to be introducing foods in line with how the organs are maturing. So one of the major organs that reach maturation outside the body is the pancreas. Mm -hmm. So the pancreas releases enzymes to help break down grains. 
but that pancreas doesn't reach full maturation till around two years of age. So we basically don't have the enzymes to break down grains until around two. So this is why introducing grains or cereals as a first food can be actually quite detrimental and quite damaging to that microbiome. So this is a key reason why parents need to be delaying the introduction of any grains. So do you know, is there any connection to like celiac disease? I know celiac disease is autoimmune disease, but does that play a factor into... Like introducing it so early when you just can't even, your body, the baby's body just can't even break it down. Yeah, so the body can't, yeah, so when your body can't break down, doesn't have the enzymatic pathways to break down those foods, it ends up just causing inflammation in our systems. And that can lead to a number of different problems from, um, you know, I talked about the allergies and the eczema, but I think that that's also, you know, relating to like autoimmune disease later Mm -hmm. in life, um, when you have these inflammatory pictures showing up. And babies are also born with a hyperpermeability of the gut. So, so they're their guts are actually quite permeable, which means that they basically have lots of holes within that digestive tract. So the only food that they should be taking in initially is breast milk because that is the one that has all of the nutrients. And it's okay that that they're actually getting absorbed right away. And so that that's another challenge with things like formula is that then a lot of those formulas are either cow dairy based or they're soy based, which are both major inflammatory foods. So they are getting inflammation in their system right away, which can be like a basically a causative factor and a cascade to many different inflammatory processes in the body. And they might not surface right as a child, but they could surface years later as we kind of cumulatively add to that inflammatory picture. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm going to say that that is just completely blown my mind right now because <laughs> I can see I can see where even for my own kids because I, my children are teenagers now and this is not a discussion that I mean that was you still just gave them cereal back in the day and I can see where that could have been connected to some issues they have now today. And also the grains in these cereals are just so poorly so processed also that that yeah. plays in a huge pieces of it as well. So um, you talk about feeding at different stages according to where they are in growth. So you said breast milk. Now, how do you start to introduce food? What what do we start giving them? It's the say six yeah. months they used to say with cereal, right? So what do you what yeah. do you suggest instead? So instead of so instead of um, cereal at six months, we're actually introducing vegetables, okay. um, vegetables and and healthy fats is the beginning, and then we start to introduce fruits, mm-hmm. and then we start to do clean proteins. So, so yeah, it's definitely very different from, from any other food introduction plan out there. Mm -hmm. And, but it's kind of understanding how that microbiome is developing, understanding how those organs are developing. And the other key factor is that really since the beginning of time, our bodies have been hardwired to eat real food. Yes. And And I think that what cereal is, is it's not a real food. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a man-made 
food, right? Anytime you see fortified, it means that they've stripped a food of all of its nutritional value. And then they've added in a few other um, vitamins in there so that it has some nutritional value. But often those vitamins that they've added in are from a synthetic source. So it's not even in a bioavailable form where we can actually utilize those those nutrients for the body. So it's to me, like those cereals are just not real foods. So we need to be feeding our kids real foods. That's, that's another key aspect of this, of this plan is let's get back to basics and let's start feeding our kids real foods instead of all of these man-made foods mm-hmm. that are really just latent with chemicals and, synthetics. and you know, yes, yeah, synthetics yeah. And, yeah. and dyes and environmental toxins that we really all shouldn't be consuming anyways. Yeah. So you want to see parents fresh vegetables at six months. Yeah. Steaming them or just yeah, boiling steaming. them, mashing them. Yeah, exactly. So any of those, um, and then usually, you know, you're, you're sticking them into a blender and making it into a puree yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah. in an ideal world, and it's what I did with my daughter was, and I know all parents can't do this, um, all the time, but like I made everything from scratch right? Mm-hmm. Um, bought, bought the organic vegetables, you know, boiled them, blended them, gave them to her. But you know, like what I see now is that she is a great eater, right? There's because when you introduce foods properly from the beginning, like with those real tastes, with no added sugar, mm-hmm. you know, like vegetables, and then they know what the actual taste of those vegetables are, um, instead of adding sugar to all of these foods which even the ones that you're buying in as those canned foods, you know, like they typically will add things or they'll blend different ones together to give a different sweet taste. Instead, they actually know what broccoli tastes like, what cauliflower tastes like, what carrots on their own taste like without any additives. So I think that it, it turns our kids into to better eaters when they know what real food tastes like. And I find it interesting too that we typically, even for vegetables, we would eat fresh things ourselves. But I know for myself, as when I was younger with my kids, it didn't really occur to me that I should feed them fresh vegetables, you know, like you would just <laughs> yeah. go buy the jar of them from the store, the baby food, which is yeah. just the most bizarre thing that we've learned that or trained that or something. I don't know. That's a part of it is like, yeah, just opening parents' minds up and, and seeing a, a different perspective on, on ways that we could be making our kids healthier and realizing that if we build these foundations early, that it's going to improve their health throughout their lives, right? Yeah. And just that simple fact that, I mean, we don't typically, I mean, we just eat it from the fresh produce, like they can eat it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, when they're little, you're pureeing it, but yeah, they're, but it's, but it's real food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So are there, are there any more worst foods or problematic foods that you really want to see parents avoiding outside of cereal? Well, so it's, it's just kind of realizing that you're, you're introducing foods and, and even when we do introduce those grains, um, we still don't want at two years old, you still don't want them to be, so we can introduce them, but we don't want them to be staples in their diet. So I'm a strong believer in removing, no matter what age, but removing those major inflammatory foods. Mm -hmm. So 
um, in everyone's diet and that they shouldn't be staples in those uh, in everyone's diet. And those three, I'm going to say four major okay. inflammatory foods would be gluten, cow's dairy, white refined sugar, and industrial oils. So those mm -hmm. should be taken out of the diet because those are just major inflammatory foods. They are disruptive to that microbiome. So they throw off the balance of that microbiome. They also cause damage to the lining of the digestive tract. So there's cells that line the digestive tract and they're held together by these proteins called tight junctions. And what can happen with those inflammatory foods is they can damage those tight junctions. So now we have spaces between the cells. So food that's not completely digested can end up in the bloodstream. And this can elicit a whole immune reaction because your body is now saying there's a foreign substance in the bloodstream that we need to start attacking. And that can just cause a whole inflammatory cascade within our system. So that's why I'm talking about how it's so important to, to remove those inflammatory foods and really focus on healing up the gut because that's, to me, foundational of, of any health issue. Yeah. I mean, even when we're looking at just basic, you want to be heart healthy, it all relies on our food. And we kind of seem to forget or aren't really maybe educated these days on how like it, it's not just that, it's everything. Your food and your gut affects your entire body. Like it's the basis. Yeah. Nutrition is the basis of health. Yeah. And it's so true. We, we don't realize that all of our gut health relates to cardiovascular health and how important that is um, in terms of keeping those uh, those arteries and um, heart and even the circulatory system strong is you know because if we have inflammatory foods in our blood and then our what happens is that our blood then gets really congested and sticky and when there's a lot of inflammatory aspects within the blood and this can make it so that the blood doesn't flow as nicely it can affect that cardiovascular system and it can affect how that arterial system, um, the flexibility of that arterial system, uh, and I talk about the, the flexibility of it, and, and it also has to be able to open and close really easily. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's the huge aspect in terms of that. But I think that what's going on in the world that we really also don't understand is that 80% of the immune system is housed in the gut. And, you know, we have, we have a pandemic going on, but we're not talking about cleaning up the diet and cleaning up our gut health and and that how huge an aspect that would have on improving the immune system of our population and it it's our immune system that's going to be our defense mechanism against any infectious agent that comes into our body so again it comes down to gut health i hear you i've been having the same conversations lately just about how frustrating <laughs> is that this is not happening and we're looking at even kids children going back to school yeah. this conversation we're missing this piece about like hello let's fix up the lunch programs that are happening around here like, yeah Let's get some real healthy nutrition happening for these kids instead of this pizza situation, you know, uh, yeah. which is on, on topic here today. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> it's frustrating. It is. It's very frustrating. And I love that you're talking about this, about that it's possible to build healthy children, that we don't, we're not, as parents, we sometimes feel really helpless. Uh, these are the, you know, we're sort of at, at the mercy of whatever cards we're dealt. These are the kids we have. And so you know, that's just our life, but we can actually, the power's in our hands. Like we're responsible for these kids, but also that we can help create the healthiest situation for them. So 
if we're past the baby stage and we're past that three-year stage and our children still maybe have some of these problems, can we still apply these concepts you're talking about? And further, can we reverse problems that exist or prevent them by, say, like rebuilding this biome or removing these certain foods? Is that something that can apply to us? Yes, definitely. Um, and what it is is that it just takes a bit more work and it takes and it takes a bit longer mm -hmm. if you don't do things right from the beginning but definitely it's possible for our bodies to be able to heal itself and what we have to be doing is we have to be setting up an environment that allows the body to be able to heal itself and part of that is is removing those inflammatory foods so we have to put it i always call it putting out the fire we have to put out the fire before we can do the repair. And the analogy I love to use with my patients is that um, you have a house that's burning down. And in order for you to repair that house, you first need to remove that inflammation. You have to, because I get patients who say, well, why can't I do like an 80-20 rule? And I said, well, that's sort of like, you know, we put out some of the flames on the fire, but we still keep throwing flames onto this house and wonder why we can't effectively repair that house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, so we first need to remove that inflammation and then we can start rebuilding that house. And the way we do that is, you know, we first, so we first remove those inflammatory foods and then we start getting you on nutrients that help to rebuild that gut. And there's different ways we can do that with different things like L-glutamine. We can do that with bone broths. We can do that with N-acetylglucosamine, so also called NAG. So there's different ways to heal up the lining of the digestive tract. Then we've got, got to make sure that the organs of detoxification are open and working at their best because our organs of detoxification, if they're not functioning at their best, that means that toxic loads are actually staying within our bodies. So that's the liver, the kidneys, the lymphatic system. Um, so I usually do different remedies in order to help support those organs of detoxification. And, and then we need to also work on making sure we balance out that microbiome. So putting healthy bacteria back in, removing overgrowths of bacteria and fungus, and, and also giving your body what we call prebiotics. So those are foods for those healthy bacteria. So it just helps those healthy bacteria to be able to grow and flourish. So these are, you know, sort of the stepping stones to how we get that gut back into balance. And, and that can be for everyone. So that's, that's not just for, for our kids, but that can be even into adulthood. We need to get that whole gut health back into balance. And, and that can help to address a number of different health issues from the allergies and eczema to autoimmune conditions to even cancer. Wow. Yeah. Which is <laughs> very, very exciting because if you can impact health and just by you know, changing up some of the food that you're eating and paying a little attention to your gut. I mean, that's pretty incredible, which I love. And I have a quick question about probiotics. How do you feel about giving babies probiotics? Because they have supplements for babies for that. Are you, is that something that you encourage or you'd rather see people doing the, these other steps that you were talking about previously? No, I, I definitely encourage um, taking probiotics for babies, but you need to be taking the right ones. So there's right. ones that are specifically geared to babies because their gut flora is different than an adult's gut flora. So the actual microbes are different. So 
I'm very specific about, you know, which, which companies mm-hmm. we work with and not just picking anyone off, off the shelf, even though it says like probiotic for baby, you want to make sure that it specific brands, because the, the challenge is, is that, you know, there's lots of different probiotics out there, but there's very few that are actually quite effective. Right. Yeah, uh, that's. I think that's a message that I have all the time on this show, just about quality of products, making sure you're getting the right thing for your body. That's actually going to help you and not create worse effects um, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And it's so wonderful to hear your message. And just, I'm so thankful that we're learning this stuff because I mean, my kids are teenagers and it's not even that, it's not even that long ago that we weren't talking about this. So I'm excited. And so where can listeners connect with you and where can they find your book? So my book is called Building a Healthy Child and it's available on Amazon and really all the places that you can purchase books. Mm -hmm. Um, My website is advancednaturopathic.com and on social media, probably the a place where you'll find me the most hanging out is Dr. Melina Roberts. So yeah, those are the the best places to find me. Awesome. Well, we will link all that up in the show notes so everyone can go and just click on over and find you. So thank you so much. It's so wonderful to talk to you and have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.